Gary DePaul with Unlabeled Leadership. Welcome to episode 50, Virginie LeMay Stays Positive. Here's a shout out to listeners in Connecticut, specifically in the cities of Wallingford, Mifford, and Branford, and a shout out to listeners in Washington State, including Seattle, Vancouver, and Federal Way. With that, let's get started. Listen to this. Succeed in the adventures of leadership and self-assurance, or SALSA, if you're going to use that as an acronym. And that acronym describes Virginie very well. When it comes to leadership training, consulting, coaching, Virginie has you covered, and in five languages, English, French, German, Dutch, Italian, And if that's not enough, there are lots of blogs, videos on Virginie's website. And if that's not enough, there's the book, My Revenge on Life. As you'll soon learn, Virginie is an accomplished manager and someone you definitely would call when you need help with leadership. Part one. Attitude and Health Linkage So much of life is about choices. We make decisions about our careers, about the type of work we do, where we go, how we spend our free time. Do we spend it watching TV? Do we work out on a regular basis? Eat healthy? Eat fast food? They're all choices. But there's a particular choice that we don't think too much about, and that is the choice of how we respond to situations. As odd as this might sound, we even choose our attitude when things happen to us or around us. And this is relevant for leadership. Not only do our choices about attitude affect us personally, it also affects those around us when we model those behaviors. In this story, Virginie shares with us her experiences early on in life about something that happened to her that in some ways had a profound effect on her and in other ways did not. It's an amazing story, and Virginie, she tells it well. Here she is. The story I'm going to share is um, many years ago, I have had a very serious car accident. Uh. I ended up uh, in the hospital and had to stay three months there. And to make a long story short, I had to stay six weeks in bed, laying down. I was not allowed to stand up or not even sit. Doctors had told me, um, and they put me under attraction, and they had said, well, if it doesn't go, uh, if, if you don't improve, we'll have to operate you. But so after these six weeks, after putting me uh, under this traction, they removed the traction. Maybe an hour after they removed the traction, the, my doctor came and he said, Miss Lemay, I have something to confess. And I say, what? And he said, we thought you would have become paralyzed. We were so afraid for you because we really thought you would have become paralyzed. And I was really surprised. He said, the reason we never told you that it's because you were always positive throughout the experience. You were always smiling and laughing. We thought that if we would tell you that the risk was big, you may have become depressed. 
So at that time, when he told me that I had kind of mixed feelings, because on one hand, I was like, well, I'm glad they didn't tell me because indeed I would probably have thought, oh my God, I'm never going to have a normal life again. But on the other hand, I was thinking, well, maybe they should have told me because it's actually my, my body. So I would have liked to know. This thing actually stood out for me, and that's something I've always kept. I've, um, as he said, I was always a, a positive person, and I've stayed positive because the fact that I stayed positive, as I say, not only I was able to then sit and I learned to start to walk again like a baby. They first put me in a wheelchair for another five, six weeks, and then I started to walk again. And then again, when I walked, they told me I would probably limp and I was no longer uh, allowed to wear high heels. For me, that was the, the worst, <laughs> not being ah. able to wear high heels as a, as a woman. And they had asked me to wear a little thing. I, I can't remember the name in English, but to put something in my shoe to kind of compensate. But I told myself, no, I don't want to do that. I first want to try without it and I see how I feel. And so I've uh, continued to learn to walk again and uh, I was walking longer and longer. And a few years after, I was looking for a sport to get fit again. And that's how I started to dance uh, salsa because I still had pain in my back and in my legs. I took some salsa lessons and after a few months, I was dancing several times per week. I was one of the best dancers of the area and I was dancing with my high heels. So to me, the, the, the doctor, when he told me you always stayed positive and that's why you recovered so well, I've always kept that. And in life, we always have ups and downs and sometimes we are faced with big challenges like a car accident or a disease or losing your job or, or whatever it is. But I've always told myself, stay positive no matter what happens. It's okay to have a, a day where you feel down, where you cry. But stay positive, have a goal in mind and believe in yourself and it will always turn out right. And so that has been my philosophy since then. It has always worked out for me uh, that way by staying positive, by believing in myself and by focusing on the goals that I set to myself. There's so much power in your mindset when you approach things, when you're dealt with difficulties and how we choose to react to that. Yeah has a huge impact. Not only that, what you experience and being positive, six, three months in the hospital, six weeks in bed, mm -hmm. going through all that to being able to dance, that's real role modeling. And I'm sure that your story and this story has had an effect on people around you that have heard it. Yes, yes. And actually, people were telling me I should write my story. So I have I've finally done it. I've uh, published a book two years ago or no, three years ago now called My Revenge on Life, just to share my story and to show people to, to try to give them hope as well. And, uh, and to tell them no matter the situation you, you're finding yourself in, do not give up. Stay positive and believe in yourself because there is always hope. There is always light at the end of the tunnel. And that's also when I understood that actually the mind is stronger than the body. As long as you are healthy mentally and that you stay positive, as I say, it doesn't matter what will happen to you sooner or later, things will turn out the right way for you. In the fourth episode I had, it was with Judy Hale. One of the things she talked about were doors of opportunity. So she calls them doors of opportunity. And she says, mm -hmm. there's so many out there that 
you can walk by them without even noticing them. Mm -hmm. And I think staying positive is a way of finding that door that can lead you to a much better outcome than if you did not have positivity. Absolutely. I fully agree. No, and, and as I say, it's uh, obviously I also had days where I was crying and feeling, oh my God, it's never going to end. And, and it's okay. For some people, it's going to take a few hours. Some people, maybe it's going to last a few days. Some people will last a few weeks. But what, uh, what I always tell people is allow yourself to feel sad, to feel frustrated, angry, whatever you feel. But then after, try to look on the bright side. There's always a silver lining. And when you staying positive doesn't cost much more effort than staying negative. But at least you, you try to see the positive th- sides of things by looking at things in a positive way. You get positive things sent to you and things start to get to improve little by little. That's how you get motivated and you keep on going on until, as I say, until one day you reach out your goal without even noticing you you were really working uh, towards it. That is such a mature approach. What it reminded me of something that Darren Hardy said, and I'll mention him in the show notes, is that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to cry because we're humans. Exactly. But it's up to us to determine how long we do that. Yeah. His thing was, okay, it may take a month. The next time, try to make it three weeks. Then the next time something, you know, decrease it and you can manage that. It's healthy to express those emotions. They're part of who you are. I completely agree with you. And then take a positive approach and and look what's happened. You're salsa dancing. You have a book. Yep. And you're sharing the story with millions of people. Trying to. Yes. Yes. Part two. Gratitude from leading effectively. A large part of leadership is about connecting with others. It involves being vulnerable, getting to know other people personally, building those relationships, sharing your mistakes, which builds credibility, celebrating people, and supporting them however you can. The story you're about to hear is about connecting with others, but from a slightly different perspective. Virginie shares this powerful story with us. Here's Virginie. 10, 12 years ago, I was working in the Netherlands in a bank and I got hired to set up a team in India. I don't have any financial background and I was hired to work in the IT department of the bank and I also don't have any technical background. So the first day I arrived there, I greeted my new colleagues or the team I would manage. And most of the people there, first they were men. So we were only, I noticed we were only three women out of 40 people in total, approximately. They were mostly in their 40s, 50s, even 60s, so older than me. And they were mostly Dutch people. I also had a few Indian colleagues. And so I greeted everybody until I arrived to this man who was the oldest. And I introduced myself. Hi, I'm Virginie. And he introduced himself. And he says to me, like, well, do you have any banking background? And I'm like, no. no. And then he said, do you have any technical background? And I say, no. So he looked at me thinking, what is she doing there? And I was to, to him, I said, well, I've been hired here to, to set up a team in India to act like the liaison between um, the Netherlands and India. 
And so he was really looking at me, doubting, like, why has she been hired and what is she doing here? And to his point, I was thinking, well, it's fair enough. If I had had someone in front of me and if I had been in his shoes, I may have reacted the same way. So I didn't really took things personally. And I thought, okay, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I can do. So um, I'm just going to do what I have to do and we'll see. For the first few months, even maybe the first year or two, he was not really talking, not very friendly with me. But as I said, I just was doing my job. And at some point, he got a heart attack and he ended up in the hospital. So I went to visit him and I also helped him with all the issues he had with the, or all the paperwork he had to solve with HR and with the social insurance and all kinds of things. And when he came back after a few months after this episode, then he was very friendly with me and was talking, etc. And at some point, he decided to, to retire. And on his last day, we did a kind of little farewell uh, meeting or party. And so he started to explain uh, he had worked for the bank for almost 40 years. He got lots of uh, experience, etc. So at the end, he said, well, I want to thank the bank for giving me all this opportunity. And there is actually one person I want to thank, and uh, it's Virginie. And he said, uh, I want to thank her because she's always been there for me. She's always been very helpful. She's always tried her best. And I will always remember that day because first uh, I got tears in my eyes because I didn't expect him to just thank me as an individual. But also I remembered my first day where he was the one actually the most, let's say, resistant to my arrival or the most dubious about my, my skills. And as I say, many years after, he was thanking me for, for helping him. The message I want to, to tell people um, and what I learned is that no matter what people think or say about you, just, again, believe in yourself and just do what you need to do. People don't know you. People don't know what you're capable of. But sooner or later, they will see the value that you can bring and what you contribute to, to the team. That's something I also share uh, with people to say that, again, we will always have people who will criticize us, uh, people who will question us, people who will be jealous, people who will envy us. We can't please everybody and we can't be friends with everybody. But as long as we, we stay professional and, again, we keep believing in ourselves and do what we need to do, then sooner or later, again, things turn, turn out well. And, and to me, that was, a, as I say, an amazing um, experience because, as I said, his reaction on the first day on his light and on his last day were day and night. That's why I thought to myself, yes, I'm glad I didn't took his remark the first day personally. And I'm glad I just was able to show what I could do and how I could support him and, and the rest of the team. What I found striking is when you were describing your first day meeting this person, this employee, mm -hmm. was that you showed empathy. Mm -hmm. You understood, hey, he's right. I don't have IT experience. I don't have banking experience. He has no idea who I am, what I'm about. And I'm a woman with among 40 or so men and yep. a few other women recognizing that, having that empathy, staying professional. And I'm sure your first story, staying positive, had eventually had an effect yeah. over the years. When he did have the heart attack, you continued your role. You continued yeah. to reach out to help him in his situation. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for me, that was normal. As I said, I was managing the team, and it didn't matter if they liked me or not. I was there for them, and I my job was to support them to to the best of my abilities. So I learned then that to be yourself is the best thing that you can do. You you should not, never pretend to be someone else, or you shouldn't pretend to, to be able to do certain things that you can't. Just be yourself. Just do what you need to do, and sooner or later, people will see the value that you you can bring. So much of leadership is about helping other people develop and mature mentally and morally.、Mm-hmm. One of the leading principles is believe in others. Yeah. But in the last four years or six years, I've been really focusing on leadership. I've thought about it from the context of working and supporting other people. I haven't thought about until you share that story about using the principle of believing in others and applying it to yourself. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the way that I am, but I've always been like that. Always try to to help people. I always say,、um, or、oh, there is this famous quote that says, "Leaders do not create followers; they create more leaders." Yes. And that's what I've always tried to do with my team members in all the years that I've managed people, and I've managed people from many different countries and many different cultures. To me, that's the best、uh, leader. You are only as good as your team, and it's even better if your team is better than you because it shows that you can develop them, that you can believe in them, that you empower them to thrive and to use their strength to the best abilities. And that's the strength of a team. If we were all having the same skills, for instance, there would only be engineers or there would only be be plumbers if we were all being able to do the same thing. But having a team, you have different skills, you have different experiences, and by using the strength. Of, of everybody, this is how you thrive as a leader, but especially as a team, and that's how you allow your your team members to also become leaders in their in their own way. If we can only get all the managers, all the executives believing in that and living that philosophy, what a wonderful world this would be! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. A lot of managers and leaders they often see their team members as a kind of a threat, or oh my God, he's going to re- he or she is going to replace me in the future. I think actually it's a good thing that if someone can replace you, that means they can take your job, they can replace you, and you can go on holiday. Or if you're sick, you know that business is going to continue, and that also gives you a chance to do something else or to get promoted or have another job. To me, there's only win-win when you support your team members. But unfortunately, as you said, there aren't so many people who、uh, who do that and who see more、um, their team members as a, as a threat rather than a, as a powerhouse. Part three: Who would you follow? There's a lot that goes into practicing leadership. Some of it is pretty straightforward, simple, but a little bit difficult to do sometimes. Difficult or not, one common element of practicing leadership is doing it deliberately. Virginie, however, manages to clarify it in such a way that. Anyone can understand what it takes to effectively lead. Here's Virginie with some advice for us. So I would say to summarize maybe my two stories, and that's a principle I've always tried to follow for myself: is be the leader you would follow. Basically, be a role model and try to think: okay, what would I like to see if I follow a leader? What would this person do or say? 
living by this principle, then I think this is how you can show, as you say, empathy, that you can use emotional intelligence, that you can develop the people around yourself, that you can motivate and inspire them. And I know from my experience as well, when you support your team members, when you show that you're listening to them, then they will go above and beyond what you were expecting from them. To me, this has never failed. As I say, I've worked with people from all over the world. And every time I've been fortunate to have great teams. And I believe um, one of the main reasons is probably because I was always there to show them how I do things, but also that I would also support them to the best of my abilities. Be the leader you would follow. And it's so critical or crucial to model those behaviors, showing that you listen to people, believing in them and the people that you work with, that it not only does it, is it an effective way of just giving human interaction, but as you said at the beginning, you're modeling the behavior. They'll pick up those patterns and see that it works for you and it works for them. They will be influenced by it. Exactly. My thanks to Virginie LeMay. If you'd like to learn more about Virginie and her services, go to the show notes. And if you have a question or comment, just go to unlabelleadership.com, click the message icon, and leave a voicemail for up to one minute. Maybe I'll play it on the air. Thanks to those who contribute to the show. Your contribution offsets some of the production cost. And... Most importantly, thank you for listening. Until next time, lead on.